Hello and welcome to Brains and Bellies podcast with Ama Mama. Today we're going to be talking about whether we should eat meat or be vegan or vegetarian. Which one is best for you? Which one is best for your family? Which one is best for your health concerns? We'll be talking to private chef Renee Lesson, who's worked at some of the most famous New York City restaurants like Boulet and Felidia about her experience cooking meat, cooking vegetarian, and how to best navigate a meal in an affordable and efficient way when you have both types of people sitting around your table. Ama Mama fuses together ancient Ayurvedic techniques with more modern functional nutritional therapy methods in order to heal the body and mind. Using food as medicine as our mantra, we examine the bodily systems at play while simultaneously getting to the root cause of your health issue, using two different systems perspectives. Beth English Myers, a nutritional therapist, and Carrie Jenkins, an Ayurvedic health counselor, will help identify what patterns in your life may be making you feel unwell, be it diet, lifestyle, physical or spiritual. Join us here on Thursdays for Brains and Bellies. And here's the show. So hello, Renee. Hello, Beth. Hello. Hello. Uh, so just a little introduction of Renee. Renee Lesson is a private chef who's worked for many, many years uh, before that in lots of different restaurants. Uh, Renee, I know Boulet and Felidia are a couple of, the, of those. Are there any others that you want to remind us of? Um, there was one restaurant um, called Verbena that was um, helmed by a female chef. For me, it was very interesting to go there because she was putting forth more of a, 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 a vegetable-centric menu, you know, which people assume is more feminine, a feminine type of, you know, appeal restaurant so that that was interesting going to work at a restaurant where meat wasn't the like primary focus it was like let's do other things and meat will be your side that's a really interesting point um because i do feel and you can kind of clear this up for us but it does seem like that has shifted a lot that point of view over the past 10 to 15 years where any of those type of more veg friendly restaurants were definitely geared toward women back in the 90s and early 2000s. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, when I first started working in restaurants, um, if you you had a very rare person who came into the restaurant and didn't want to eat meat, and all you did was put together all the vegetables that were in the existing other entrees and just make a artfully arranged vegetable plate. And now I don't think that you can have a, um, a restaurant without like having an actual dish that caters to a vegetarian. Yeah, that's also interesting. It brings me back to memories of being vegetarian and exactly to your point going to a restaurant, asking for something vegetarian. And I basically got what everyone else was eating as their side dish vegetable. That's what was on my plate. That's exactly and, yeah. and then I can remember going to the Waverly Inn when it first opened. So I, I don't remember when the Waverly Inn opened, but for those of you who don't live in New York or didn't know, it was like a restaurant that opened with Graydon Carter, the editor of Vanity Fair mm. and Eric Good and his partner, Sean McPherson. And it was the place to go. And they had a vegan entree on the menu, which was like earth shattering. <laughs> yeah, totally earth shattering. Yeah. So what year would have that been? Maybe 2005 or six? Yeah, I would say it opened up around then. Yeah. So Beth, what what is your nutritional therapist point of view on this subject on whether we should eat meat, be vegan, be vegetarian? Yeah. So just to clarify, I personally take a flexible approach. So I do eat meat, but I make it a point to really include lots and lots of vegetables, lots of whole grains, nuts, seeds, legumes, uh, etc. So I really do go for the plant foods, always trying to get lots of vegetables in particular on my plate. I uh, always encourage my clients to do that. Of course, people are more aware of vegan and vegetarian, especially vegan. I think it's, it's really, it's a really good thing, but I really look at it in the way of getting more vegetables and more uh, diversity of nutritious foods 
um, into our repertoire. But I think, um, and I think there are two things going on. First, it's great that there's so much more acceptance of a vegan diet or vegetarian. I love that you can get more options in restaurants these days. But I also think it's a shame that it's so compartmentalized. You know, that oh, I'm vegan or I'm vegetarian or I'm this. Where the way I see it, I'm really just encouraging from a health perspective a variety of plants. Uh, plant sources and really stressing um, good quality poultry, meat, fish, etc. And I think that you know we and, and this is getting a little bit better, but the shift of what our plate would look like. So meat doesn't have to be a, a plate of ribs, for example, that are smothered in sugar sauce. Uh, really, could be like a, a quarter of the plate is a well-sourced grass-fed meat um, and then maybe some um, quinoa or sweet potato and then 50% of the plate being salad, greens, broccoli, etc. So just changing what the plate looks like and making the animal product a less center stage and more uh, quarter quarter of the plate, for example. Uh, but from where I'm, where I'm coming from, I'm really, you know, in, in nutrition, we use the term rainbow quite often. We're always looking for that, the beautiful colors, getting in lots of those dark green leafy vegetables. We could just sing the praises of dark green leafy vegetables all day long. Broccoli, uh, courgettes, uh, or zucchini rather, getting in um, leeks and beans, uh, squash, apples, berries, aubergines or, or um, eggplant, uh, et cetera. So getting in lots of those, I, I live, I'm in London, Renee, if you don't haven't worked out <laughs> yet, an American in London. So yeah, so just getting in all that variety, those, those deep, the deep, deep colors of the berries, uh, the beta carotene that you get in, in your carrots uh, and your squashes and your sweet potatoes and each of those, everything from that rainbow of vegetables and fruits, they have uh, these extraordinary health benefits, these phytochemicals. So that's what we just rhapsodize about all the time. So we're really trying to get our clients to get all that in because we know uh, what that impact has on our immune system, uh, feed it that prebiotic fiber and all those vegetables and fruits and whole grains um, and red lentils and split peas and quinoa or brown rice or, or millet or dal. I like to look at things with a more flexible approach, less compartmentalizing, but I get the compartmentalizing. So I think it helps people organize themselves or if you're going to be vegan for January, veganuary, it gives you a, um, a purpose and a structure. And I think that's great. As a nutritional therapist, I'm really concerned with the overall well-being of a person and their nutrient status and how they're feeling and that they're they're thriving and their bodies are detoxifying and building muscle and they're getting good sleep and they're, they're feeling, they're, they're looking after themselves and getting those nutrients. Uh, so while I'm very happy to support a client or anyone that we know who is interested in following vegan, um, to me, it's really important that they understand a nutrient checklist. And I found in my practice, uh, I love working with people who are interested in doing vegan diets. Um, I think it's such a creative way to really get into your nutrients, really get into different food sources you may not have tried before, really focus on plant-based foods. If somebody really wanted to be exclusively vegan um, or mostly vegan, uh, I would really want to make sure that they understand how they can get their nutrient sources and I would really want to support them in that path. I do really well having some red meat every once in a while. Um, I also am very sensitive to protein, so I do like getting um, poultry and uh, lots of fish. I just really focus on the sources, so as best as possible sourcing uh, resp responsibly uh, produced meats, poultries, fish, etc. More of an Asian plate where meat is never the center stage. It's always oh yeah, amount of meat and then the vegetables are quite predominant. Love that. Yes. Renee, you, you can speak more too, but what I see when I think of, of, of an Asian plate, I, I do think of they might be having some more fish, more lots and lots of vegetables and, and, and white rice as well, but lots of vegetables, lots yes. of um, seaweed. Uh, so, so many things to help uh, make a more well-rounded plate, as it were. From the Ayurvedic perspective, and I know that this will be shocking to some people because a lot of people just assume Ayurveda is like yoga and it should be completely vegetarian, but that's actually not the case. Um, in all of the tech mentioned eating 
meat and using meat because Ayurveda uses food as medicine to use meat for people that have certain issues, certain health issues. Now, generally speaking, there is this idea of ahimsa or nonviolence in the Ayurvedic texts, obviously, which that's kind of the crossover that also happens with the yoga texts. And when you read things like Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, the issue with ahimsa is that if you're being nonviolent toward the animal and not eating the animal or killing the animal, but you're being violent toward yourself because your body and your tissues are not being nourished, then you're really not practicing ahimsa. It's really, it's not working because you need to practice it to self and to others and to the world around us. So it's microcosm and macrocosm again. But with that said, generally, um, I know that we've talked on the podcast before and we will do at some point a breakdown of, of the doshas because I know that's something that everyone kind of knows and is interested in, but the vata, pitta, kapha dosha, kapha, some people call it. So generally it would be, suggested if you have a major vata imbalance in your system so a major vata balance imbalance might look like someone that is depleted depleted in iron depleted in tissue maybe even muscularly they're depleted they could have an eating disorder or they could just be not well you know sometimes vata derangement happens for year after year after year until you get to the point where it's really starting to affect your tissues. And that person would definitely, if they came to me, I would recommend meat for that person. Now, again, I wouldn't be recommending, you know, ribs on a plate smothered in sugary sauce. I would probably be recommending bone broths and, and small mm. amounts of meats or chickens or fish within a broth, in a vegetable broth with some grains as well. Because the other idea here is that basically you are what you can digest, right? You have to yeah. be able to digest yeah. your food in order for it to be helpful to you. So with that in mind, we wouldn't want to have someone who's been a vegetarian for 30 years um, and only eaten you know, a few nuts and, and vegetables suddenly eat a, a steak. Um, that's not the goal, but just to give you an idea of who it would be good for. Now, on the other side of the coin, if you have a kapha individual who has a kapha imbalance, let's say, who's like maybe struggling to lose weight, very 30 pounds overweight, feeling kind of lethargic, feeling not, not great, not energetic. Now that person, I would definitely suggest a lighter, more vegetarian diet. I would steer that person away from meats, away from heavy foods in general. There you have it, that, that's the two extremes. So we do use meat treatment of, of health issues. And as I said before, we're using food as medicine. So that's really what this is all based upon. So, yeah, yeah. I think uh, when you were when you were talking, Carrie, I was also thinking of eighty twenty. I know Renee, if you think of things yes, that way, totally eighty twenty. Yeah, it, I think it is good for the spirit, the soul to have something you really enjoy and really enjoy it when you have it. Uh, whatever that is. And, um, you know, again, with nutrition, we're, we're always focusing on food that's alive, food that's, per you know, the, so I'm thinking plants immediately. Uh, I, Renee, as you were said, the preparation as well, is just so important how you're, how you're cooking, are you deep frying or ribs, you know, maybe not without the sugar sauce and the huge right. plate but in proportion. Uh, and maybe with a delicious, uh, I mean, just, a, a, I mean, some, some of the most amazing sauces, um, thinking tahini sauce, maybe not on ribs, but you can pomegranate, I don't know. Uh, but again, moving away from, uh, sometimes getting away from the labels and more about looking to real foods, to whole foods, uh, foods that are ideally prepared at home or with uh, care and with fresh ingredients. And, and also in nutrition, we're always trying to move away from heavily processed uh, foods that are coming from a box, foods that are zapped in the microwave. Uh, we're trying to get that life in the food, th those whole foods with, um, with fiber and with nutrients in them. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. speaking about that, Beth, about the foods in the box, um, I'd love I'd love both of you to kind of give your opinion on the new burgers, the impossible burger, the beyond burger, the corn burger. Uh, Renee, what, what's your take on this as a, as a chef and working food um, for so many years? You know, I, I, I prefer the impossible burger 
to me, it's like a, it's, it's a separate thing. It's not like, I feel like having a burger, but I like, it's like, I, I'll decide I want an impossible burger or I'll have a real burger. I have, my husband's a vegetarian and my son is a meat eater. So I, I'll go eat, I'm the switch hitter in the family. Like whatever I have, there's more of, that's what I'll eat. And when you say you prefer the impossible, you prefer in terms of taste, ingredient, what is it that you prefer? Well, <laughs> all very scary looking to me. <laughs> Honestly, you know, sometimes I'm like, I don't like to touch them. Which is, you know, they just have this gluey, I don't know if you have Impossible Burger over in um, uh, Great Britain. Yeah, but we're, yeah, we're getting them over here. Yeah. They're, I mean, they, they're the most burgery tasting of the Frankenmeats. I, I, I shouldn't even call them that, but I, I feel I'd rather have like a, like a grass-fed burger, honestly. You know, like a really high-quality beef burger than something that's like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we actually, we, um, Carrie and I pulled them up. We were looking at the ingredients before the call. In general, I would just say, yeah, I would, you know, they, I think the companies are, they're working to make them um, taste like meat and improve the ingredients. But at the end of the day, it's still a processed burger. Uh, they are using uh, soy, they're using canola oil. One of them says that they're non-GMO. Anyway, I think the larger point is every once in a while, fine. Some people I know really think the taste is, they taste amazing. Well, how great to have that option. Absolutely fine. But going back to 80-20, if you can make an effort to have something simple that you can make at home, that's also really delicious, but you know, you've got, uh, we know what's going into it. We know we're using a well-sourced flour, a well-sourced binder, uh, and uh, a good whole grain, getting some vegetables in there, some beans. Um, I, I'm much happier with that versus a fake product, even though they're making a big effort here. It's still quite processed. It's interesting because when yes. the Beyond Burger first came out here, I had been a vegetarian for so many years. I mean, most of my life vegetarian. So I wasn't a person that was craving ever a burger. Like that was not on my radar. Ooh, I really want a burger. I just don't ever really want a burger because I don't, I don't have a relationship with it. I mean, I, I'm sure that I ate burgers when I was a, a kid, but I don't remember loving it, missing it, or even not having it anymore. Anyway, mm. so when Beyond Burger came out, I guess it was kind of fun because as a family, so again, my son is also a meat eater and my husband's a meat eater. I'm the vegetarian here, not quite vegetarian. I'll get into that later, but um, so it was more about, oh, we can all actually have a burger together. Yes. And I don't yeah. have to slave to make the burger. <laughs> I'm just going to go buy it. And yeah. I actually kind of liked the taste of the Beyond Burger, um, but not because, oh, it tastes like meat or anything else, because I don't actually remember what a burger tastes like. But I thought, yeah, this is good. I'll, I'll do that. And it's easy and it's simple and it's got protein. But I do... And, you know, this is a, a question for the company member. I, re, uh, I remember the first time I made it a few years back, the only oil in it was, was coconut oil. And now I've noticed that there's canola oil, which I feel like this is kind of the trick of the game. This is what happens with all of these companies. Eventually that oil that used to be the great oil becomes the bad oil. And um, so that kind of, you know, I, I don't buy it anymore for that reason, but um, According to Bill Gates, this is where we are headed. We are all going to be eating more and more of this type of protein in the future. So I don't know if I agree with that. I, I'm not that I understand environmentally, possibly it's it's a move in the right direction. Although I know there are, are people that would disagree with that, including someone that Beth and I have spoke about a lot. Uh, Diana Rogers, I think is her name. And she wrote a book called Sacred Cow. Yes. It, I think there's also um, a documentary she made on it. And she basically debunks all these theories that people have on environmental, um, the environmental well-being of our planet if we all go vegetarian. It's interesting. But I think uh, going back, with nutrition speaking, that's where... Uh, I'm concerned about vegan and vegetarian. If it's at the exclusion of a healthier choice, just for, if you know, in the UK, there's something called the Greg's vegan sausage roll, which is a convenient item. <laughs> it's like very popular. 
Uh, and I, I was actually, it's just terrifying what's in it. Uh, no offense to the makers of it, but it, it's very, very, very processed. And uh, what, what, I, what worries me is when I see vegan and vegetarian and it's a lot of potatoes or a lot of crisps or potato chips, uh, when it's a lot of the same thing and not a variety and not getting nutrient, and it's not nutrient minded. Right. And I think to boil down everything I would say about the, about the diet plans is really keeping that open mind and really the individual looking after looking after yourself and really thinking of how you're feeling and, and your energy levels. And certainly what you were saying, Carrie, about the, the doshas, like really being in tune with how you're feeling and then uh, being open to, to feeding yourself and get, getting those nutrients in. Um, through the diet and through certain key nutrients as well, which we could break down uh, that that can be that may need supplementation if you are following an exclusively vegan diet. Yes. Renee, do you have anything to add to that? Um, um, I, do. I think when we talk about meat too, we have to differentiate what we're talking about. Like, I think it's the preparation of the way you choose meat. Like we're, we keep, you know, ranking on the ribs, let's say, but <laughs> You're not going to be, you know, sponsored by, you know, Dallas barbecue anytime soon. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, I think, I do think that there's moderation, you know, maybe a smaller plate of rib, you know, it's, it's really the preparation. And of course, like a leaner meat is better. I have found over the years, my clients, when I first started cooking, um, everybody, a meal was like a, a fabulous steak. And now I have, all of my clients basically don't eat red meat now. Um, it's more, they prefer the chicken, the fish, much more the leaner cuts of, of meat. I think like any meat deep fried is not going to be good for you, but you can also take that same kind of same meat and grill it or bake it in the oven or something like that. And it becomes a lot healthier. Yeah. As you know, with having a kid, I'm also very, um, very like uh, careful about putting no foods because it becomes like, this is what I really want. So I try to like be kind of neutral when he wants to have, my son wants to have fried chicken. It's like, oh, let's have fried chicken, but let's not have it often. I agree. I think that's so key. You really hit the nail on the head there. Absolutely. And I think it's wonderful if we can be open to a personalized approach, looking at the person as an individual and also respecting that person's ethics. I mean, I have... I respect greatly, uh, I have clients who really don't want to um, harm animals. So it, it's my job to really support them the best I can with the nutrients. But then uh, I will also say if I think that they should try something, it, I, it always has to go back to that person's feeling um, and their conviction, encourage an open mind, but I will be there to to really encourage the, the, the nutrient status so that they can um, feel good in themselves. And there are certain nutrients that we need to be aware of for a vegan or plant-based diet. One of the biggest one that comes up uh, is a B12, which is quite hard to get from plants, B12. So in general, I would recommend supplementing with vitamin B12. Also- uh, stop you for one yes, second, Beth? I just of have course. a regarding that. What would be your go-to plant sources of B12 if, if a person wasn't supplementing? and they wanted to add extra B12. So you could get B12 from spirulina and chlorella. Mm -hmm. So from the algaes, but it will be a, an analog form of B12. So it won't be as bioavailable as you would get from, um, from meat. There's that. Uh, you can also get B12 from, you know, I'm here in London and in Kent, there were some school children who worked with some scientists and they were able to grow watercress with a specific soil <laughs> that provided B12 through this watercress. So it, it, it's not unheard of, but it's harder to get. And like I said, with the bioavailability. So I think it is quite sensible to supplement with B12. Mm -hmm. And again, B12, it's a, it's a nutrient that if you have been following an exclusive, exclusive vegan diet for a while, you know, we do keep it in our liver for a certain amount of time. So it's not the end of the world if you haven't been, but I would get tested have a good blood test. Uh, but even the blood test, sometimes um, we can't tell. If you're feeling really having signs of deficiency, a lot of fatigue, 
um, muscle fatigue, brain fog. I would I would supplement with it. Talk to a to a health consultant and um and consider supplementing with B12 for sure. Got it. Okay. Now I know that there's different forms of B12. Is there one that is um when you're supplementing that people should look out for? I would get a good uh, B vitamin complex. Got it. So it has more than just the 12, yeah. all the B vitamins. Okay. Yes. Uh, the folate, which is B9. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I would just get a good, uh, I would invest in a good quality uh, B complex or a good multivitamin. And, and do you also recommend that for vegetarians or mainly for vegans? Uh, well, I, I mean, actually come to think about it, all of us should be aware. And this is also you know, what Carrie, what I think we always will come back to is it's not kind of silo people. It's actually all of us need to be uh, and I'm so glad you brought that up. All of us need to be aware of B12, no matter what our diet is. It's very easy to be deficient in our B vitamins and they can go through us quite quickly anyway. So we want to be getting um, good sources of our B vitamins, which we would get from, from meat, from, um, from our, from our, our dark green leafy vegetables, but again, um, not so much the B12. So that's where we'd want to supplement. What other, um, nutrients are we talking about for a person eating meat or not eating meat? So another one that comes up is iron, yeah. right? So iron. So again, really, really important to get a blood test. If you are continuing on a vegan diet and see what your stat or again, for anybody, see what your status is for iron. Again, this will affect your energy, how you're feeling if you're really, really pale. So again, if you are eating exclusively plant-based, you could have plant sources of iron, like um, spinach uh, or beetroot. If you're having spinach, have some citrus at the same time, squeeze of lemon, help you absorb the the plant iron. Kidney beans, chickpeas are also good sources of uh, plant iron. But again, it's it's non-heme, so heme being blood. So if it's non-heme, it's, our, it's less absorbable to our, by our body. Yeah. I mean, I iron. struggled with the iron, lack of iron for many years, being a vegetarian for a long, long time. And um, it's interesting. I don't know if you want to talk about this, but I know from my own experience with blood work, my doctor is often looking at my ferritin stores, not just the blood circulating iron, in yes. my system, but the ferritin, which I have to be really careful with after all those years of vegetarianism. And I still do not eat red meat. It's an ethical choice, but also I just don't like it. I have tried it and I just don't like it. So I have to be really cognizant of making sure I get all of those other foods that have that iron rich quality to them. And then I also do supplement. Yeah, no, that that's good. I mean, I really like to encourage the, the patient to look at their own system and their own health issue. And then from that, identify which direction they should go. Because as we know, meat can be super helpful for some of the um, points that you just talked about, like anemia, which we would consider a a vata um, disorder in in Ayurveda. And of course, we would actually encourage meat eating. Ayurvedically, uh, we would say there are certain seasons that a person would need to eat more meat, especially a person with a vata, either constitution or a vata imbalance. Um, and one of those seasons is is winter, the other being fall. It's interesting for me, I definitely notice in the winter, I tend to get a lot more tired and I can really feel it if my iron is getting low, I can really uh, notice it. My skin will get really pale and I have to really pay more attention during those months, those like three to four months than I do in the summer, for instance. So that's something I think that's really useful to point out to people. In general, I feel like, one of the signs that you may be a little bit iron deficient can also just be anxiety. Sometimes, you know, these things kind of go hand in hand, being cold, being pale, being tired. And then with that anxious, because anxiety is coming because of these other things that are happening. Yes. Yeah. And that's where it comes back to, um, Knowing what your status is, get a blood test, ask your doctor for a blood test. I mean, these days, I'm sure these days, here in the UK, it's really easy to uh, to even do a blood test uh, on on your own. Uh, there are companies here in the UK where you can just—it's not even that expensive. You can just uh, get your blood done. Yeah, same here in America. Things have really changed, and it is 
much easier to get a blood test or blood work. And then a lot of these tests now, like I believe B12, definitely iron and ferritin, those are all covered under insurance if you have insurance. So it's pretty, it's pretty simple, you know, just contact your doctor. and Yeah. Get- yeah but I, I would, if you're concerned, I would invest in doing it on your own. If you can't get it done uh, over here where I am, it would be through the NHS. But I think it's a good investment. Absolutely. Cause then you, then you know what you're working with. Yeah. Any other nutrients that we should um, keep in mind when? Oh, so many nutrients, Carrie, so many. But I think the top, the, the, the biggest, the most, the biggest ones that stick out are B12, of course. It's harder to get from the plants. Uh, iron, as we just discussed. Um, vitamin B, uh, sorry, vitamin D, uh, which again, we would get from um, the sun and we would get from um, liver and eggs. You can get it from plant sources such as mushrooms. And some mushrooms are actually being grown where they're exposed to ultraviolet light, which produces more vitamin D in the mushrooms, which is is amazing. Oh, again, for plant-based vegan, vegetarian, for anybody, it's really important to know what your vitamin D level is. Uh, The more we're learning about vitamin D, the more we're learning how uh, integral it is to our overall health and to our immune system and how we feel in ourselves, our mind. So knowledge is power, find out what your status is and uh, act accordingly for sure. So vitamin D. And then I would also say carry um, iodine as well. And do you have experience with iodine? Definitely. For me, it was really super helpful when I started eating fish um, to help with the iodine stores. And yes. Yeah. It's cool that iodine's in fish. I mean, iodine is from the sea Yeah, and that's how the fish get the iodine. Uh, so that, that's amazing. And cod is a particularly good source of iodine. Mm. And again, what would an iron iodine deficient, deficiency look like? It could be thyroid problems. We would normally get iodine from, um, well, in the US, you would get it from iodinized salt. It's not in salt so much over here. More people are having pink Himalayan salt and sea salts, which actually, this may be a surprise, actually don't have uh, iodine or only trace amounts is a nutrient to be aware of. So I personally take, I make sure that I, it's in one of my supplements, iodine. Um, also, we can get it through sea vegetables, another one of our podcasts. <laughs> you can get it in nori and dulse and sea vegetables and whole grains as well. That's good yeah. to know for those vegetarians, for sure. Um, any other nutrients you want to talk about or maybe just protein? Yeah, I'll just briefly just highlight a couple of more, a few more nutrients. Uh, we don't have to go into huge detail right now, but zinc, of course. So for every for people who have a flexible approach, I just want to put out there, oysters are an incredible source of bioavailable zinc. Um, shellfish are shellfish are also a great source of the B vitamins as well. I need to share a short personal story about go, shellfish yeah. or oysters. So for many years, I was vegetarian most of my life. Many years, I didn't eat any shellfish. Obviously, I was vegetarian, but on top of that, I was allergic. From a young age, I was allergic to shrimp. And then um, as I moved into my 30s, I had a couple health issues and I had to get a test done that they were going to use an iodine dye. So I had to be retested for my shellfish allergy. And it turns out I didn't have it anymore, which was amazing. And then that was kind of on the heels also of me kind of reevaluating being a vegetarian and being really encouraged by lots of doctors to try at least some fish um, to get that iodine to help my thyroid. And so I did, and I did baby steps, you know, trying one fish and then another and then another, and then eventually came around to, okay, I'm going to try an oyster. And I have a couple of really great friends who love oysters, grew up in Florida, grew up in um, Louisiana, New Orleans. And so they took me out for an oyster meal at an oyster restaurant here in New York City. And I have to tell you, it was incredible. And I felt like so amazing the next day after I had so cool. Oysters. I felt like so energetic. I slept really well. And from that moment, I am a complete believer that oysters are really like one of the best, healthiest foods we can have. And I don't get to have them often because I don't prepare them myself. But when I have an opportunity to have them at a restaurant, I take it. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, definitely. So we encourage all of you to get have some oysters. Uh, I mean, it's such a treat. It's just the best. 
we actually will get oysters here at the house uh, and my teenage boys shuck them and it's really good fun. Uh, so we get them from little plug for Moxton's and Clapham. So we love oysters for sure. And then huge fans of oysters and again, all shellfish. And again, it's not just the zinc carry, it's the B vitamins as well. Mm. So, and, and minerals, uh, nutrients in um, our shellfish. So if you are exclusively plant-based or looking for zinc through plant sources, pumpkin seeds are tremendous sources of zinc. Um, sesame seeds as well. So have a nice scoop of tahini um, and lentils as well. Why do we need zinc? Why is it important for wound healing, our immune system, um, our skin health? Zinc has many, many functions within the body. So we want to think zinc and make sure we've got it in there. So I'll briefly, again, calcium, right? So if you're not having dairy, there, well, anyway, that's another podcast topic, uh, dairy and calcium. We'll yeah. definitely cover that in another podcast. To make a long story short right now, um, really great plant sources of calcium include once again, um, sesame seeds. So another reason to have tahini, uh, our dark green leafy vegetables, a kale has so much, kale has so much um, calcium, broccoli does, almonds and our sea vegetables again. Yes. And you can hear all about those calcium rich sea vegetables on the podcast, or even in our seed talk, when we talk about seeds, we really go in depth into the calcium and which seeds have them. Exactly. Magnesium, of course, we need magnesium. We get uh, a lot of magnesium through our dark green leafy vegetables. And once again, um, our whole grains and our nuts, uh, especially almonds. We love magnesium. It's so helpful for so many things, but again, really for our nervous system, uh, but also for energy production as well. It's got that great nature's tranquilizer is what we call magnesium, but we also need it for our energy production. And once again, remember Carrie, I know we've talked about this and we've talked about uh, green blood, <laughs> which is how we think of chlorophyll and with the center atom being magnesium instead of iron, which is what it would be for regular red blood. <laughs> so magnesium rich, we really want to have, make sure we're getting lots of sources of magnesium, uh, which we can get from plant sources. Finally, uh, before we go into uh, proteins and fatty acids, I want to mention choline as well, which has come into under the spotlight uh, more recently in nutrition uh, as a concern with plant-based diets, vegan diets. We can get choline from broccoli and Brussels sprouts, but again, being aware of it, we need it for our nervous system and our metabolism. So uh, potentially supplementing with choline as well, or taking a good uh, multivitamin. I think that every vegan or how long were you, were you a vegetarian for Carrie? Um, I started when I was, I think I was around 11, maybe 12, because I kind of was just copying my older sister and she was a couple of years older than me, almost a teenager. So yeah, that sounds about right. And then I was a full-fledged vegetarian until I was, I dabbled with some maybe fish a couple times in my 20s and maybe chicken I maybe tried a couple times in my 20s and then, but I really was pretty full-on vegetarian until my 30s, until I was about 35 years old. So that's okay. quite a long time. All right. Well, you were probably asked often, how do you get your protein? I was. And interestingly enough, that was one of the issues I never really had is, is being protein deficient. I was able to get enough protein through the, the legumes and the um, nuts and tofu and things like that, that I was eating, thankfully and luckily. Um, but I know not everyone shares in that. Like I know that many vegetarians and vegans have a real problem and struggle with getting enough protein in their system. Uh, we have about a tw about 20 amino acids, essential amino acids that we need to have in our body. Again, amino acids are the building blocks of protein and protein going back to the Greek word where the word protein came from, it's of first importance. So we need protein for repair. We need protein for building muscles. Uh, we need protein for to, to, as our structure within the body, we can get um, not nine essential amino acids that we must have um, in our diet. And we can get uh, complete sources usually from, um, from meat products in plants. There are a few plant products that actually have all nine, which we'll go over in a second. Other sources, plant sources, such as tofu, as you mentioned, brown rice, uh, they will have uh, or chickpeas, for example, they'll have some of those amino acids, but not all of them. So they may mm -hmm. have three or four or uh, one or two or, or six or seven. 
Uh, so you'd want to make sure that you're getting a variety of protein sources throughout the day. So having a chickpea stew for lunch, for example, and then a stir fry with tofu in the evening um, or a brown rice Buddha bowl, for example. There are a few, as I said, a few plant sources that are complete proteins have all nine essential amino acids. And that includes quinoa, another reason to love quinoa, uh, which you can prepare as you would rice. That Yeah, it, it's so versatile. I think it's, we definitely need to do a video on just making a simple batch of quinoa because you can keep it in the fridge for a couple of days. And also hemp seeds. So sprinkling some hemp seeds on a salad is great. We're going to be making hemp seed milk soon during our cleanse. Yes. So getting the hemp seed, uh, hemp seed in there. Uh, and then once again, one of my favorite things uh, in the world are pumpkin seeds because they're a great source of all nine essential amino acids in addition to being great sources of magnesium and zinc as well. Yes, I also love pumpkin seeds and we'll be making some of that milk as well during our cleanse coming up in a, in a week or so. I know I mentioned this, but in terms of protein, again, our protein needs are higher in winter months and from an Ayurvedic lens, because it is a time that we're trying to rebuild and restructure and also insulate ourselves um, from that cold weather. So again, we would look at kind of the doshas at play, vata, pitta, kapha. And if you have a vata imbalance, um, you definitely need some extra protein. Um, you definitely need to build, and we look at protein as a tissue builder. So if there's tissue that is depleted, and we have lots of different tissue systems in our body. I won't go through all of them uh, from the Ayurvedic lens, but when there is a depleted tissue, there is a need for protein. I love it. Buckwheat as well is a complete source of protein, but you want to get proper buckwheat, not some like buckwheat combo with wheat, regular wheat. Just, just a, look for a proper buckwheat. <laughs> I know, and that's hard, hard to find sometimes. I really <laughs> try to look, and especially when I'm looking for soba noodles, it's difficult. To uh, you have, have to check the label. I've had that happen a few times. You have to read the label and make sure that it's 100% buckwheat, not cut with whole wheat, <laughs> especially if you're avoiding that. It's important if you're avoiding gluten. That's yeah. where that would come into play. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so we love our protein. And then another one are healthy fats. So the way um, our proteins are, are made up of amino acids, we have essential fatty acids that comprise our, our healthy fats. We need to make sure that we're getting fats. There are certain fats that, that we must get from the diet, uh, omega-3s and omega-6s. And omega-6s will, will just are easier to get because they tend to be in... Um, a lot of um, oils and nuts and seeds that we'll consume. Omega-3s are a bit more elusive and harder to get and a little more challenging to get uh, uh, from plant sources. And just, just to back up for a second, the reason why we need healthy fat in the first place is that uh, we need healthy fat for our brain, uh, for our brain health. It's really, really important for our hormones. Feel satisfied as well. We need, uh, we need some fat. When you look at um, these things, amino acids, fatty acids, and hormones through the Ayurvedic lens, those are all pitta, um, pitta nourishing substances. So pitta would be in charge of those three uh, things that you mentioned. And one thing to keep in mind with pitta, what is it really? Well, think of it like a flame. It is the flame. It is the transformative energy in the body. It can take something and transform it and put it in and make it into something else. So it takes the food coming in, it transforms it, and it turns it into nourishment and tissue building substance. I just want to stress again that it's incredibly important to the brain. And for all brains, you know, children, men, women, I'm going to, I'm going to highlight women's brains right now. We really need good, healthy fats for our brains, um, all of our brains, but um, so important. So with our, our sources of omega three and six, um, again, you know, we're looking to nuts and seeds. We're looking to um, olive oil. We're looking to, to uh, nut butters. We're looking to our amazing chia seeds and flax seeds, great sources. If you're exclusively vegan, vegetarian, really important that you're including seeds, that you're including chia seeds, include flax seeds, include a variety of nuts and seeds, walnuts. I'm thinking of walnuts as looking like little brains and having uh, <laughs> the omega threes and sixes 
and, and all the healthy fats that we need. So really important to include them. There is a, there is a really good reason to soak a lot of nuts and seeds, including quinoa, but for our purposes right now, um, yes, we can get omega three, which is the, which is the harder nutrient to get from our diet. We can get it from, from plants, from seeds and from nuts and, and, and olives, but we, but it is harder for our body to convert um, alpha linoleic alpha linoleic acid uh, into um, DHA and EPA, uh, the two forms of omega three uh, that our brain needs and, um, and and our body needs. It is actually if, if we eat fish, if we eat uh, an oily fish, one of the smash fish, for example, smash being for salmon, mackerel, anchovy. Uh, herring and salmon, sardines, the other S, sardines, then it's easier for our body. It's more bioavailable to us to get that omega-3 from the fish source. In that case, if you are um, following a strict diet, if, um, if you're open to having fish oil, we recommend that. But if you're not, then we've got to focus on making sure you're getting uh, an abundance of omega-3 from, um, from supplementation or from the diet. We've put focus on it. Yeah. And just um, the word that you just used, I think is like very poignant here being open-minded and how yes. that is on this journey of regardless of which you choose, whether to eat meat, whether to be a vegan, whether to be a vegetarian, and uh, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. You can do all of them. You can have a week, a month, a year when you're one, and then another time that you're another. No matter what diet you're following, having lots of vegetables and fruit and uh, nuts and seeds and, and whole grains, beans, legumes. Some of us will have different digestion tolerances. We'll talk about that another time as well, because we've got suggestions um, in that area, but it's just really important to focus on getting a diverse range of different um, plant-based sources in your diet. It's going to be, it's what our immune system needs, feeding the good bacteria in our gut, 70% of our immune system rooted in the gut. So really important to get these plant sources um, into our diet. And then number, I think just in closing, if you are doing a vegan uh, or a more restrictive diet, really make sure you're not having the same thing every day, (laughs) having just potatoes or just having convenient foods. We don't have an issue with having, you know, a a convenient food out of a packet, like a Beyond Burger or an Impossible Burger. Sometimes we just want to encourage really nutrient dense foods for the, as much as possible. And I just want to mention one thing, you know, that idea you, you just mentioned of the rainbow and eat lots of different diverse foods is so important. And I find it's not only important for a vegan, but also for a person that says they're a meat eater. Um, Oftentimes I know my son and his friends, oh, they love meat, they're meat eaters. And it's as if meat is the most important thing on the menu for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So just to point out, regardless of what you describe yourself as, meat eater, vegan, vegetarian, just know that the more diverse you can be in in the sources of whatever it is that you're eating, the better. So rather than having avocado toast every day, if you're a a vegan or, you know, chicken um, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, if you're a meat eater, branch out a little bit, have an open mind, try new things. Absolutely. We're always trying to support um, our best health and feeling our best. So really important to support that by keeping an open mind and looking after yourself. You know, I was vegetarian from a young age. I think I started when I was around 12 or 13. Nothing drove me there except that my older sister was vegetarian. So I figured, well, I'll be vegetarian too. Then once I got into yoga, it just all seemed to kind of make a lot of sense. Healthy. I had no health, but I will say at a certain point, I started to become depleted, definitely depleted. And there was a doctor that I was seeing, um, he recommended that I start having some fish uh, to help increase lots of things, but specifically iodine in my diet. And I thought, no, I can't do that. But then when I looked at all the supplements I was taking, I thought, you know, well, why can't I just try this? So I tried it and it was fine. You know, some fish I liked, some I didn't, you know, I tried a bunch of things. And then as I dabbled with that, I definitely started feeling better and over the years of eating fish, which has been at least 10 years, maybe a little longer, um, in the past few years, one of the things that's come to me is that one of the things I really missed being a vegetarian is that that, that feeling of sitting around the table and really sharing food with people. 
And I feel that that's such an important aspect of eating. Um, and I wanted to experience that more. So now I, I've even loosened the reins a little bit more. And there are times when I just, I can't make two meals. I can't make my vegetarian meal, my kid and my husband's meat meal, especially in these COVID times where we're not going to the grocery store in the same way. I don't have the same foods necessarily at hand. So there have been times when I just have made the chicken curry or whatever it is and have eaten it and it's fine. Um, and I actually feel that I've gotten a lot of enjoyment out of that. And regardless of whether it follows with my um, philosophical beliefs or not, I think that it's actually a really useful, healthy way of being with other people that you love. Recently, and when I say recently, I mean in the past probably three months, my husband was making burgers and I had nothing in the refrigerator. Often I'll have some kind of dal or lentil or a soup of some sort of vegetarian soup that I can always go to if I'm not in the mood to cook and it's dinner time and I get my thing mm -hmm. and they get theirs. Anyway, my husband was making hamburgers and he said, should I make you one? And I said, well, you know what? Yes, let's just give it a try. So he made me a hamburger. I can't eat the bun, unfortunately, because I can't have gluten and I had no gluten-free bread. So I think I wrapped it in lettuce or some, I think it was lettuce. And I thought I'll try it. Like I haven't had a hamburger since I was probably exactly what I said, 12 maybe wow. years old. Wow. Um, and I have to tell you, I absolutely did not like it, which I've heard countless stories of vegetarians who ended up becoming meat eaters again because they had a burger for the first time and it was so delicious they couldn't, I literally, I didn't like it. I didn't finish it. I had maybe half of it. I really tried, really didn't like it. Much, much, much prefer that Beyond Burger. <laughs> I have over the years, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a vegetarian for a while, or I want to try veganism for, you know, I'll, 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 I'll switch. But I always come down to the fact that I really love food <laughs> and I don't like to not be able to have something, you know, I'm, I'm really driven by my taste buds. You know, I like to, um, I think it's like a kind of a creative thing for me. So I do like to try different things. I like, I, it's hard for me to pass up something that I haven't tasted before. And when you're a vegetarian and when you're a vegan, you, you're limiting yourself. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to eat, we eat vegetarian. I'm happy to eat vegetarian. I don't like any restrictions on what I can, can and cannot eat. Personally, I do feel better when I eat a little meat you know, it's great to eat a predominantly vegetable diet. Thing is, is, you know, as a private chef, is you realize it's extremely labor intensive. And I see why people kind of break down and they stop doing it because it's just so much work. But you have to, you have to be, I think, really committed to being a vegetarian, to being a healthy vegetarian. Renee, that yeah. brings me to a question I have for you. So in your work, um, maybe not at the restaurants per se, but more in the private chef uh, business that you're in. Um, have you had any firsthand like experience or witnessed how, for instance, being a vegetarian, if one of your clients was full vegetarian and you cooking for them, did you see their health move in a better direction or vice versa? Someone that had been a vegetarian that said, I want you to start cooking meat for me. Did you see their health move in a better direction? Did you, do you have any experience with um, that? You know, I, I think that people, it's, that's one of the hardest things to change about yourself is your diet, you know, and I, and I wonder, and I, and I sort of, uh, at the, I think that like what you learn as a child, like healthy eating habits as a child really play into how you eat as an adult. And it's really important because, um, you know, I've worked with very obese clients who hire me because they need to get healthy and and inevitably I've had them you know when they're not losing weight admit to me that they're ordering you know Taco Bell at 10 o'clock at night you know I mean it's uh, it's you know I've had I've, I do have a client who had um, some severe Lyme issues who was definitely helped by eating meat and he was not a meat eater mm. You know, I mean, that really helped uh, keep his weight up and keep his, his health up and, you know, but very lean meat, like very chicken, um, you know, nothing uh, 
no steaks sort of food or anything, but very lean meats. Um, and that has, that has really helped his um, body feel better. From, from working with a lot of vegan clients, over the, over the time developed a few little shortcuts like um, avocado, for example, like having half an avocado and putting pumpkin seeds on it with some sea salt can be a really great, really great nutritious snack or side to a dish. Uh, I think that the vegetarian dishes, they can take more time, but uh, whenever, and I get overwhelmed all the time, I've got a family of five, but when I can take that one hour to batch prepare, uh, my favorite things is to make a red lentil soup and then keep that in the fridge. And then just, you know, today just for lunch, I, I heated that up. Then I put hemp seeds in because hemp seeds are a complete protein. Pumpkin seeds are some avocado, some olive oil. I get that great healthy fat for your brain. Um, you can even put some walnuts on there as well. So I do think that uh, a big passion for me is just finding little ways to get the nutrients in, in, in little shortcuts. So mm-hmm. um, you know, even chia seed puddings, um, you know, that that's going to be a great source of, of fatty acids for anybody, not just vegan or vegetarian. Um, so I'm always trying to think of quicker ways to get them in, but it does, I, it totally can, sometimes it can require that little bit of extra mental gymnastics, but I'm, for me, I'm really passionate about trying to get those ways in, um, to make it for the, when things are, are really, uh, bottoms up, it's easy to, to get some, get good, uh, nutrient sources in. Um, it's, I'm also really passionate about following that individual. So for some people, uh, beans and pulses just don't agree with their digestion, but they'll have a a fillet or fillet as they say here, uh, of red meat. And they feel amazing. Mm. To be honest, I'm, I'm one of those people. I feel amazing when I have a a beautiful, oh my goodness, a beautiful, um, uh, fillet of red meat. Um, but I also feel amazing after I have oysters and all that bioavailable zinc, um, But I, I try to keep that just a few times a week or every once in a while and then really try to get uh, plants in. Um, for nutrients, uh, just really briefly, B12 is a big one because we don't, for the most part, don't get it from plants. Uh, our body, our liver will hold on to B12 for a while if we've switched our eating plan. Uh, but it, that's an important one to supplement. Iodine carries, you mentioned, just speaking in general here, iodine <laughs> being aware. Uh, and vitamin D, we have to be really savvy about our vitamin D and our zinc, um, choline, um, et cetera. So we can get a lot from our plant sources, but we really have to have our thinking cap on, uh, for all of us, but especially if we have a more reduced, uh, restrictive diet, omega-3 fatty acids. That's why I mentioned, mm. uh, you can get omega-3 from, um, from seaweeds and from, um, from chia seeds and flax seeds and walnuts. Some of us, there's also an element of the individual and converting as well. Uh, so if, if, if a vegan's um, doing it for spiritual reasons or for a connection to the animal world, that's totally separate. But if someone's okay with taking a, sup, uh, a fish oil, I would consider that or just a really good omega-3 oil, for example. Mm, got it. Is it better to do a fish oil over um, like an omega-3 oil? I think to see how that person's doing. I mean, are they, are they getting uh, plant sources? You can get some good uh, omega-3 supplements and oils, but at the end of the day, and this gets into uh, how we are genetically and how we convert uh, alpha linoleic acid into e- EPA and DHA. And if we get have it from fish, it's uh, more, it, the fish have done that work for us where from the plant sources, our body has to do it. Uh, so in a nutshell, the fish is almost serving it up to us it's a little bit more available. Uh, but again, that comes down to the individual. And the, the cool thing is that none of those have to be forever. They don't have to be lifelong situations. Right. It can be for that season, for that, that illness that you're dealing with at that moment. And then as we all know, things change, life changes, we all change. And um, our diets should reflect, you know, what is currently happening in our system. And um, just, I guess, in wrapping this up, um, I have a question, uh, maybe for both of you and for myself, but let's say you're walking down the sidewalk and a 25-year-old comes up to you and says, I don't know what to eat. I don't know if I should be vegetarian, vegan, or eat meat. What, what should I do? What, what would you do as a chef, as a nutritionist, as an Ayurvedic therapist? And 
what, what would you make for me if you could make it today? You know, I would ask how they ate as a child. You know, what is their, um, what is their family? What was their family food situation like, with, was like? Cause you know, you, you always sort of turn to comfort foods. The easiest thing I think you can make is a big pot of rice and beans. You can start with that. And then, you know, flavorings, like you could do different salsas or find what, what they like and, and work from there. And what do you think, Beth? Oh my goodness. Oh, the first thing I would tell, like, I think I'm thinking of myself as a 25 year old. The first thing I would say is stop eating bagels. <laughs> Can't believe I used to have bagels and Diet Coke for breakfast all the time. It's like disgusting. Oh, I don't know how I'm still alive. <laughs> Diet Coke, bagels, and, and Starbucks like every day. Step away from all that. And if, if I knew that that 25 year old and myself in that category really wasn't capable of cooking, I would just say, really try to get a really nice piece of salmon. If you're at a restaurant or, you know, oh my goodness, buy a baked potato and bake it <laughs> or, or how, try it, try an avocado. I don't think I even really knew what avocado was back then either. Or just get some pumpkin seeds and snack on that. So I think that's what I would tell myself just to make it, you know, they would have, laughed you off the street if you said chia seed pudding um when yeah. i was 25 but for today i would say that's you know, actually a chia seed pudding or an overnight oats that i think that'd be my if you had to choose one if i had to choose one there's no excuse put the oats in a mug cover it with whatever milk you've got let it soak overnight in the fridge and then put some seeds on it i would make myself buy pumpkin seeds and hemp seeds and um some berries there you go that sounds good to me and you know beth being the Ayurveda person, I would say you'd have to warm it up in the morning, add some hot water to it. Make yeah, it we're gonna have we're gonna have a podcast when Carrie Carrie and I duke it out like nerd fight on. <laughs> yeah, and I guess I would also just say I, I think something really important is to just make sure you're sharing your food with someone. Make sure you're actually getting some love. Well, so true. Yeah, that's gonna help your digestion, which is gonna help your absorption, which is just gonna make you, regardless of what it is you're eating. It's going to get the good stuff into your system and help build your tissue in the way that it needs to be built. I guess we can leave it there for now. Renee, thank you so much for, for being here and joining us. That was um, fun. Thank you. And I hope that we've inspired all of you to choose what's best for you, what's best for your health and best for your family. And just a reminder that none of the advice that we've given today on Brains and Bellies with Ama Mama is meant to diagnose or treat any of your health problems. So please do seek the advice of your doctor for any specific health issue and join us next time for Brains and Bellies with Ama Mama. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Renee.